great big prize, something that you could probably get for free because it's at the back table, but maybe you didn't want to take it. Now you could take it. So a story is told of this uh, old curmudgeon, a single person who was a gossip. And she uh, liked to share things that really weren't her business. But uh, there was a guy that uh, he kind of ran out of gas and his uh, truck wasn't running right. So he pulled into a bar. And so at the life group or the small group or a Bible study that week, this old curmudgeon, she said, I saw your truck at the bar all night. And, you know, I don't think it was very good. You didn't even park straight. It was like all off the side. It was there all night. And so he didn't say anything. He knew he ran out of gas. He knew he had some truck issues. But uh, the next week he uh, parked his car in her driveway and walked home for the night. So uh, if you want to get people talking, there's uh, ways to get people talking. But um, this is, uh, who do you learn from? Feed your mind. And this is Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite. He has a daily sermon. Also, Tony Evans, uh, Chip Ingram is excellent, as well as Greg Laurie, uh, The Jesus Revolution. That was uh, the movie that came out about him. And then Craig Groeschelle from Life Church. So this month, I really wanted us to see that there are other people to listen to that can feed our mind using the Word of God. Because sometimes we read the Word of God, we study the Word of God, but it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't click. We need some insight from others that can really help. So feed your brain the Word of God. And how can we pray for you? We encourage you to uh, use a little box out on the welcome table. But you can also email me or Stacy. You can text prayer requests, uh, use Messenger. So let us be the church. Let us bear one another's burdens and let us rejoice with those that rejoice. So if you say, hey, I just got a new job with like a huge raise and I just wanted to share because it's so exciting, I'll do my best to rejoice with you. And so we want to rejoice with those that rejoice as well as mourn with those who mourn. Because scripture says, give us this day our daily bread. If, uh, if you just eat a huge lunch today, it might be until Wednesday until you get really hungry. So you don't have to wait until Wednesday, but if you chose to pray and fast, maybe you want to. But even then, you need to drink water. You need to have something inside if you want to continue. Same with your spiritual life. You can't just rely on Sunday morning sermon to be your spiritual food for the entire week. So we saturate, we ruminate, we marinate in Scripture. And uh, each week this month, I've tried to select a Scripture that we would read over and over. And so I thought it fitting. Uh, these are Paul's letters to the churches where he's praying for them. But I thought it fitting that this week, if you have not done it the last week's, few weeks, I picked the shortest one. Okay, so the shortest one, Galatians 1, 3 through 5. Won't you uh, stand and read with me out loud. This is what I encourage you to read the same scripture every day this week from Galatians 1, 3 through 5. May God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. As we continue in worship, I would uh, urge us to ask the Holy Spirit to be present in our lives, for the Holy Spirit to be present 
in our lives. When our daughter was in kindergarten, she brought home a painting she had done one day and proudly showed it off. A bright red flower garden with a single rose towering over all the rest. And next to that, she had printed, I live God. Look, she said, it says, I love God. It was only an accidental misspelling, but we've always felt there was something profound about that mistaken letter I. And to this day, it hangs on our wall as a reminder that loving God is, in fact, the essence of life. Our daughter wasn't intentionally doing theology that day, but her painting is a helpful way in for thinking about the unique work of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. One of the ancient creeds calls the Holy Spirit the Lord and giver of life, but the very same creed says that Jesus is Lord and that the Father is the maker of heaven and earth. So in what way should we understand the Holy Spirit as both the Lord and giver of life? Well, just like my daughter's painting created an interesting play on words, there is a fascinating play on words in the Bible that helps us get to the heart of what's going on here. Because in the original languages of the Bible, the word for spirit is the same as the word for wind and the word for breath. In Hebrew, the words are either ruach or neshama, and they can mean spirit or wind or breath, depending on the context. Like in the creation story, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says before anything came into existence, God's spirit, his ruach, was hovering over the water. And so the creation began. But later on in the Noah's Ark story, after water has swept away all life from the earth and God wants to recreate everything fresh and new, it says he sent a wind, his ruach, over the water. And the point is, whenever God creates, he does it by sending his ruach his spirit. But there are even deeper layers here, because in the same creation story, it explains how God created the first human, and it says that God breathed into him the breath of life, his neshama, and he became a living being. Humans, of course, need to breathe. Without neshama, we die. But it's not just our breathing that keeps us alive. It's actually the very breath of God himself, his divine spirit. Like it says in the book of Job, the spirit of God his ruach has made me, and the breath of the Almighty, his neshama, has given me life. And not just humans. In one place, it's talking about all the living things in the creation, and it says, when God takes away their breath, their ruach, they die. But when he sends his spirit, his ruach, they spring to life. It turns out our daughter was painting truer than she knew, because anything that's alive and breathing, if it is alive and it's only because the Spirit has breathed life into it. In that one sense, we all sort of live God with every breath we take. Of course, there's more to being alive than simply taking breaths. So maybe that's why Jesus explained that it wasn't enough for us just to be alive in the physical breath sense of the word. We needed to be brought to life spiritually too. We have to be born of the Spirit, is how he said it. And he was talking about the way the Holy Spirit brings us alive to the love of God and opens our spirits to the life of Jesus. Because when God breathes into us like that, that's when we'll discover he is the Lord and giver of life in every sense of the word.
hearts will sing out to the joy that you've given us in this life and our ability to come here and join in others at your altar and sing in your praises with your angels. Worthy is the Lamb of slain. Holy, holy is he. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy
Oh, 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 oh,
You may be seated. I'm going to um, ask Missy if you would come up. Andrew, if you would come up. We're going to have a special prayer time. Yeah, John, if you could keep praying or playing as we pray. If there's others that have a prayer request that you would like to bring, you don't have to share, but as Missy just shared, we could be praying for the family. Andrew, uh, it was his father that had uh, the heart attack. And uh, I'm just going to invite others that would like to lay hands and pray for uh, these individuals and these requests. So if you just want to come up now and just lay hands, or if you are seated and you just want to extend a hand in agreement, I've actually asked Joy Doan to pray. I asked Joy to pray um, during one life group. I said, Joy, do you mind praying? She said, well, I've talked to him before. And so uh, I've just asked Joy if she would just lead us in prayer. Uh, there's many prayer requests that we have, but uh, Joy, if you can make your way up to the microphone. <laughs> But let's just join together with these prayer requests. Father God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to gather in your name and to, to build each other up and support each other and, and uh, to be the body of Christ. We thank you for Pastor Jeff and for his messages and his faithfulness to us. We thank you for each one that is here today and for the lives they represent and the homes that they represent Lord Jesus, we ask that you would settle in on this place today and that you would bring your spirit to surround us and fill us. We especially pray today, Lord, for Missy and the rest of her family as they go through this ordeal again, and it brings up all the old things. Lord, we pray that your justice would be done, that you would be the righteous God, and that you would intervene. Lord, I especially pray today that you would change hearts, that you would restore that you would bring life where only death is, and that you would, you would give peace and comfort, and that there would be some reason to rejoice in, in all of this. Lord, I pray for Nate Cochran and, and for all of his family. I ask, Lord, that you would be especially close to him, give his doctors wisdom and skill, and uh, restore him, restore his heart give him the kind of rest that he needs and the kind of care that he needs and be with with um luke and nate and, and i lost a sister <laughs> sarah <laughs> as the and Avril as they deal with this tough time and um thank you lord that andrew and hannah are here with us it's such a delight to have them and and with us lord i pray for ross and holly leonard today and the rest of the leonard family as they're dealing with the, the normalcy of life without Logan. And um, I ask for your special blessing on them today as they worship you uh, in the middle of the tears. Lord, I, I feel led to pray that you would begin as you or continue to um, find us a permanent home, find us a, a place where we can gather every Sunday and know that um, this is our place that you have given us. I ask that you will... Um, give wisdom to the LAC, that you would give them direction, that you would put it on all of our hearts to pray and and to uh, to give us a home. And in the meantime, Lord, thank you for being with us. I ask that you bless Pastor Jeff as he speaks today. Give us your word through him and help us to, to apply it to our lives, not just to hear it, but to be doers of the word as well. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. And we continue to uh, thank God for his presence and his goodness. And um, we thank you for your continued uh, faithfulness 
and giving and tithes and offerings. And we thank you that we've been able to give and support and help others in our community, in our congregation that would benefit just from a small gift, whether financial or meals or whatever the case might be, that we would be the church that is the church. So we thank you for that. We thank you for praying about being baptized. And maybe there's somebody here that would like to get baptized. Speak with me. Or you think of somebody within the church that you would like to see baptized, pray for them. And as we think about baptism and what it means for us as a congregation, we get to celebrate that there's more people standing up saying, I am a Christian, but I want others to know that I'm following Jesus. And that is what baptism is. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So we want to be saved and to rest in his righteousness. You can subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, and Google Podcasts. That's kind of a weird segue from baptism, but uh, we here we find ourselves. Um, <clears throat> this same uh, illustration that I shared with the uh, curmudgeon with the truck, there, the same guy shared another story, and he shared about this uh, woman who uh, she was married a long time and her husband, she dearly loved him, but he passed away. And she loved him so much that as he passed away, she did whatever it took to uh, keep him there. They did the embalming and then she kept him in this glass case in her house. That whenever she woke up, she could say, hey, good morning. Whenever she came back, she knew he wasn't there. He was in heaven, but it was a reminder. And so she just came and said, hi, how you doing? I miss you. It's good to see you, kind of. But after a little bit of grieving or a while of grieving, she decided to go over to Europe. She wanted to go on this European vacation. And so she went. And just as God would have it, she met this man who was also a widower. And he was in Europe and they hit it off and they started to uh, talk and they just really started to align. And they said, we need to get married. So during this trip in Europe, they decided to get married, but she never told him about her first husband waiting at home. And so when they returned from the flight and they took the drive home and he was so excited to carry her over the threshold, even though he was older, he was so excited and he still wanted to do it because it was tradition. And that's something he wanted to be a part of. And so he did it. And right away when he opened the door, it was her first husband sitting there embalmed in that glass case. And he said, he's got to go. And so what took place is he, as the story goes, they buried her first husband. But the thought was, who do we choose to follow? Who do we choose to love? Do we choose what we remember as good? Or do we choose to love and honor this newfound love of Jesus? So it's a silly story with a poignant point to it. Who do you choose to love. Last week, we talked about the fiery furnace. We talked about these three guys. Their name were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. What happened to them when they stood up for Jesus, when they did the right thing? This is a not-so-subtle plug for Wednesday's Life Group, 7 o'clock. You can be in person at the chapel or on Zoom. So wherever you are, we have a place for you Wednesdays to go through the book of Daniel. Chosen, selected, picked, favored. This is that uh, widow. She uh, loved her husband, but then she picked somebody new, but she had to choose one or the other. What happens when we have to choose one or the other? Ephesians 1 says this, 
All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was blessed. You guys can read this. Everybody read out loud. Excellent. Thank you so much. Perfect timing. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And even before God made the world, God loved us and God loved us and did you realize this was on either, I'll say both so you guys don't throw rocks. It was either CNN or Fox News. I can't remember which, but they shared how there is a majority of people now that say they struggle with loneliness. But social media, you can have like 5,000 friends before you have to open a new account, which maybe that's why I have a couple accounts. Anyway, so you have to, but there's this sense of loneliness when it's so easy to be around people. There's a thought of isolation when you could be selected, picked, chosen to be known by God. God decided in advance to, you can say it out loud, God decided in advance to, to adopt us into his own family. I could talk about adoption, but so can Arlene. Arlene has a phenomenal story that she shared way back when, maybe it's time to share again, about how God used her to reach into the lives of children, to adopt them and make them part of her family. It's not like, well, these are my biological children. These are my adopted children. So biological, no, this is her family. I don't feel like I'm the adopted son of Mike and Sharon Fuller. I'm like the son. Maybe not the favorite son, but I'm still one of the sons. That's what Jamie is. See, even Mark knows. This is my cousin Mark. Give him a big round of applause from Connecticut. Mark, give a little wave. Yes. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He has showered his kindness on us. So some of you know where we uh, live. It used to be an old church that was like moved and built. And uh, it was all good, well-intentioned people, Christians that said, we can't afford, but we can give our, our energy. I kind of know how to do electrical work without electrocuting myself. So, hey, how about I do this? Or I kind of know how to have water run. And it might not stop all the time, but at least you'll have water. Well, we had our bathroom redone a little bit ago. And well, when we first moved in, dad and a friend were helping redo the bathroom. And they said, hey, do you know that your bathtub is not the safest? I was like, I don't know. It looks a little rusty, but it's fine. They said, well, the, the floor is rotten. The only thing holding the bathtub are the studs in the wall. It's like, oh, well, does the church want to get rid of us? And it's like, well, I don't think so. But then we had the bathroom redone and they took out a wall. And you know how the shower comes here, the shower curtain's here, and you have a wall right here? When he took out this wall right here, there was a live electrical box right there. And he said, there's a likelihood that nothing would ever happen, but there is a chance that something could have happened. So we're just like, oh, but in this shower, the water, you don't want to drink it, but sometimes our water is um, limited. And so when you get in the shower, sometimes like you don't get the full 
uh, water at Top Notch. They have a massaging waterfall, not in the shower, but like in the uh, in the spa. And you sit in that a uh, massaging waterfall, which I thought was a gimmick. But then the water pours down on your traps. Is that what it is on your back? And you just feel, oh, this feels so good. When we take a shower or took a shower at our house before it was redone, showered his kindness. It was like sometimes a trickle. Sometimes a little bit more. Sometimes like only use a little bit of shampoo because you're going to have the rest of it in your hair all the rest of the day. So just use a little bit. But when I get in that massaging waterfall at Top Notch, I don't wash my hair there. If you're watching, I don't wash my hair at Top Notch in the shower or in the uh, waterfall at least. But it's flowing to the point where it almost takes your breath away. The pressure is just overwhelming it's like whoa it's kind of too much it's like oh it feels so good but i can't stand here forever because it's just so good this is the kindness that god showers on us but at times we're like i feel lonely i don't recognize it i'm over here but god's saying if you see me if you understand where i am if you realize that i've chosen you not to be here and alone but to find rest in him to understand that god has a plan for us that he loves us we can receive that kindness on us ephesians 1 4 even before he made the world god loved us and god loved us and god loved us and chose us in Psalm, I will take the time to read all of it because um, it's just so good. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. You are not alone. God chose you for a purpose. God chose you to receive his kindness. God chose you to walk into a room and to bring encouragement to others. <clears throat> and then Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Maybe you have a coffee mug, maybe you have a necktie, maybe you have something with this on it. Well, let's continue to read. In those days when I pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. This is written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the most encouraging prophet, the blessed prophet, that look at me, look what God did, prosperity gospel prophet. He was known as the weeping prophet because God's plan for Jeremiah called for loneliness and suffering, but the Lord was close. This is from gutquestions.org. Who knew that gutquestions.org had answers like this? But the weeping prophet could say that I am blessed because though in life the true reality of his situation was terrible, the truth of Scripture was that Jesus will never leave you. He will not forsake you. He has a plan for you. When you are weak, he is strong. Allow him to live through you so you can reach out to others. 
And yes, I saw the clock too. I have about eight minutes. If we finish on time, we probably won't. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about Jesus everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. The Holy Spirit gives you power. It's not like, oh, I'm so strong, but it's this inner confidence that it's not me with the answer. It's not me with saying this is the, the way, but it's Jesus in his love, in his kindness, in his gentleness, just saying, follow me because I have a plan for you. You don't understand what you're going through. You don't realize what's taking place, but I, God, know everything. Trust me me rely on me so now we begin with acts 15 22 then the apostles and elders together with the whole church of jerusalem chose delegates and they sent them to antioch of syria with paul and barnabas to report on this decision the men chosen were uh two leaders judas also called barsabbas and silas i guess it's kind of like if i can say usually people don't name their uh son judas nor do they name them Adolf. There's just like, there's something about those names that, so Barsabbas, we'll refer to him as Barsabbas. They were chosen, they were recognized, they were identified because of their obedience to God. They were living in that obedience God had created them to live. They were living in the obedience, then they were identified. It's a, hey, I identify you, but change to be more like Jesus, then you can be used as, whoa, you are practicing what you preach. Not preach what you practice. You are practicing what you preach. They were chosen. Become who he says you already are. Become who God says we already are. But there was an argument taking place. Why did they have to choose these delegates? Because there's an argument. They weren't listening to each other. Maybe this picture, people get it, kind of. No, this is the one that really stood out to me. Do you guys get this one better? It's kind of like, oh, Oh, that's what they're talking about. So there is an argument taking place. This goes back in Acts 15.1. Well, Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch. Some men from Judea arrived to begin to teach the believers, unless you were uncircumcised as required by... So they said, well, Jesus, yes, but also the law of Moses. And then there started to be this conflict. There started to be this discussion. Yeah, even within churches. Who would have thought you would have had disagreements or people say like, hey, that's good, but this is better. There was this argument taking place. They were talking about the law of Moses when we just need to focus on Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said this. Hope you can read it. It seems odd that certain men and women want to be included, so I want to include women too because I want to be an equal opportunist for conviction. It seems odd that certain men who talk so much of what the Holy Spirit reveals to themselves should think so little of what he has revealed to others. If that doesn't kick you in the teeth, God showed me this. Somebody else, God showed me this. Oh, that's slightly different than what God showed me. Maybe you need to... Anyway, the quote goes for itself. So we continue. Then the apostles and elders, together with the whole church in Jerusalem, chose delegates, and they sent them to Antioch with uh, Paul and Barnabas. Chose and... So they were chosen, but then they were... I don't want to be sent. I just want to be chosen. 
Like you can pick me to be on this all-star team. Okay, I probably shared this before. I like sharing these stories because it makes me feel good about myself. So if you'll just bear with me. I was uh, working at Top Notch. This was last summer. There was this kid that I know. He's like 6'5", really good basketball player. And he said, hey, do you want to play in my league? It's like, oh, man. I don't know if I could get you. It's a pretty competitive league. It's like, I don't know if I could give you like five minutes a half. And so I'm kind of like talking humbly, but I want him to say like, oh, we need you. And he said, oh, that'd be great because we don't need you more than five minutes a half. And I was like, oh, like, like, are we going to win at least? But if you're on a team that wins, it's nice to play, but you're on the winning team. But if you're chosen and then you have to go on another team or in a different direction or witness to those people you don't like or you aren't comfortable in this spot, then we're like, I think I want to pull back, God. I, I know you chose me because, you know, I'm an all-star player and you need me. That's not why God chose us. He didn't need us to help him win. He chose us so we could be included in his winning, but to be sent for a purpose, where have you been sent? Does anybody know what this is? I was uh, thought this was just a scripture verse. I didn't know like there's this real thing called a, anybody? Living stone. This is a living stone. I thought like in the Bible, it talks about living stones. And so I looked up like a stone and then it pulled up living stone. And this is actually a living stone because it's not really a stone. It's something that's alive. And so a living stone this is where we find this in First Peter, talking about you are now a living stone. You are not like the dead stones. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show, you can look in a mirror, you can primp all nice. I do have a little product today. Hope it's not too much. You can look real good. Is it just for the mirror? Or is it to show others God's goodness? For he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is who we as Christians are now. This is what Judas, Barsabbas, and Silas, they went with Paul and Barnabas to share the conversion. That conversion is not only about the law of Moses. Jesus came to fulfill the law. As we wrap up, this was not only the sacrifice and resurrection and hope of Jesus. This is not the law of Moses. This is the truth that we're trying to communicate. How do we communicate that? Paul and Barnabas, we probably, everybody heard of Paul and Barnabas, like, you kind of don't have, don't have to go to church. You kind of heard of Paul and Barnabas. But have you ever heard of uh, Barsabbas? And who was the other guy? Silas? I mean, not this Silas, but there's another Silas, like in the Bible. Barsabbas, like, who are these guys? These are second tier. Like, I'm not the district superintendent. Like, I don't pastor the largest church. I haven't written any books. I don't lead a ministry. Like, I'm just like a follower of God. I'm just like trying to figure my stuff out. I'm still broken. I just want God to love me. And God's saying like, I want chose you right now to be sent out to share with others the goodness of God that he doesn't hold back, but he overflows. He showers upon you his kindness that you might know that there is hope in whatever situation whether you face a diagnosis, whether a family member passes away, whether you're just broken and you're just crying out to God, God is saying, I am with you and I love you. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. Barsabbas and Silas 
went with Paul and Barnabas, I'd be intimidated. Like if I had to travel with my district superintendent, usually I like to talk. I probably wouldn't talk too much. I would take notes and just like follow his lead. But this was an opportunity for Barsabbas and Silas, not just to follow their lead, but to step into their purpose of why they were there. And as they shared that, it's not just about the law of Moses, but it's the fact that Jesus loves us and he died for us. He gives us hope, whatever situation. Maybe you're being bullied at school. Maybe there's somebody in your workplace that you don't like. Maybe there's something taking place and you're like ah god is just on sunday i'm just a mess here in this situation well we go back to the speaker i feel falls the true reality of your situation yeah it's not good but the truth of scripture of who jesus is of the holy spirit working in you of i can overcome i can rest in this desperate time i can know that jesus informed me and i can realize that his Will is that none would perish. So maybe it's in the proverbial fire that God wants us to stand up for him that others might know. And then when we share, as was said here, there was great joy throughout the church as they read this encouraging message. It started with fighting and bickering. And this is what you say the Bible says. You say what the law says. You say what Jesus did. You listen to this news organization. You do this. And then after, it's like, ah, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And you will find encouragement and joy. So as we conclude, when you leave, is there great joy for the message we shared. When you leave your workplace, is there great joy? Oh, thank God, literally not taking his name in vain, but thank God they've left. Or is it, oh, ugh. When you leave, is there great joy for the message we shared? So we find ourselves, that little video of the girl that wrote that picture of the flowers and that one rose was higher than the others and it said, I live God. And you could say, ah, that's so cute. What are you? It's a kid that messed up the words. Or the application of I live not for God. But as Colossians 3.3 says, resting with Jesus in God. That's where I find my rest. I live God. And when I'm tempted, when there's a thought, when something comes in, I take captive every thought and I make the most of every opportunity to turn it towards Jesus. I want to live God wherever I go. Not just put on a smile Sunday morning. Because uh, now that we don't have kids, like I don't think we fight as much Sunday morning. Maybe it's the kids. I don't know. But there was something about Sunday mornings like, hey, I got to go preach a sermon. You're making me mad. It's like, oh, maybe I need to uh, like act better so I can preach with more integrity. I want to live God, not just love God on Sunday morning. So we lift up the truth of Jesus as we hide behind the cross. And the application is simply this. Whatever situation you are in, feeling lonely, there's someone else close to you feeling just as lonely. But the difference is we say we love Jesus. Most of us say we know God's love for us. So allow that truth to infiltrate the reality 
of your situation so that you might be chosen and sent to let others be encouraged by the message we have. Won't you just stand as we close in prayer? Uh, often I am reminded that um, church is kind of weird. And going through a book of the Bible, for me, I'm like, does this really apply or is it just words on a page? But then I'm reminded, like with the music team, I met with Missy a couple weeks ago, last week, whatever, talking about the music team. It's not the words that are sung. It's the Holy Spirit that's being lifted up and allowed to infiltrate us. And if we think, hey, I go to church to feel good about myself, there's plenty of good churches to go do that. It sounds arrogant, maybe I shouldn't say it, but I want our church to be a church on mission for God. A church that realizes we are sent, not just chosen. You are chosen, so respond in obedience to him, but also go in his strength as we are sent. Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mission, your calling, and showering us with goodness. Before we were born, you knew about this day. When we were knit together in our mother's womb, you saw that we were a marvelous creation. So may we go in your confidence in sharing the hope and joy that you give with others. Let this be a day of celebration, but may this be a day of repentance and salvation as well. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. You are dismissed.